Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello everyone, it's Fee here with another re-release. And this week we are going back to our episode all about gear. In this episode, we discuss the common types of gear that you see on race day how they're applied, and most importantly, why they're applied. So when a trainer puts on a piece of gear, they are trying to improve a specific aspect of a horse's performance. And depending on what part of the horse's performance they're trying to improve depends on what type of gear they apply. All of the different types of gear do different jobs for a horse. And in this episode, we go through what the most common types of gear actually do to help a horse find an extra length. We also preview Super Saturday from earlier this year, the running of the Australian Cup and the Newmarket Handicap. And although, once again, the form is out of date, it's very interesting to listen back to because in this episode, Grace comes to the form specifically with gear in mind. So in the first half of the episode, we learn all about gear. And in the second half, Grace shows us how to apply that knowledge to our form analysis. This is one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far. I think it's just such a great source of information, a really great episode to reference back to. And I hope you guys enjoy it as well, whether it's the first or second time you're listening to it. And if you're enjoying the episode, there are a couple of things you can do for us here at Ladies Who Punt. Number one, you can leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from. And number two, sharing the podcast with just one person. So We always want to get our listenership up and the best way to do that with podcasts is by word of mouth. So if you could share the podcast with your nearest and dearest, that would be fabulous. And I will be back next week with another re-release for you. Hope you enjoy this episode, everyone. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello everyone, thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Ladies Who Punt. If this is your first episode, welcome, or if you are now a regular listener, welcome back. My name is Fiona Blair and I am joined by my co-host Grace Ramage and on this week's episode we will be getting into gear. Hello Fee and hello everybody out there listening. It's really cool and exciting that we're already up to our fourth episode of Ladies Who Punt and if you are a regular listener, thank you very much. We hope that we are uh, succeeding in our aim to decode the sport of horse racing. But getting into gear being this week's episode topic, it's a really interesting one because Racing gear, meaning the different tack that horses can wear for a race start or prior to a race, uh, there's so many different things that are going on in this space and there's so many different things that commentators or um, will talk about or that you'll see in a form guide. So we are going to explain what they all mean and more importantly, what it's telling you. Yeah, Grace, that's going to be so interesting and just in time for Super Saturday at Flemington. Can you take us through this weekend's race card? I certainly can do that, Fee. So this Saturday is our second of three consecutive Flemington Saturday meetings. We are in the heart of the Melbourne Autumn Racing Carnival. 
Um, it really starts to heat up in Sydney in a couple of weeks' time. But for us, this is as good as it gets. Super Saturday at Flemington, two Group 1 races. And they're also two of our more traditional Group 1s. So we've got the Australian Cup run at 2,000 metres. It's a wait-for-age contest. So some of our best 2,000-metre horses in the land will be contesting this race on Saturday. And the other Group 1 is called the Newmarket Handicap, and it's down the straight six at Flemington, 1,200 metres of the Flemington straight course. And it's a handicap race. So you've got some horses, Group 1 winners, that are carrying the top weight and then Others that are right down the bottom, uh, you know, at 50 or 51 kilograms that are relatively untried at this level. So it makes for a really interesting contest and we'll get to that shortly. So two amazing group ones this weekend, Grace, but this race card is absolutely littered with group races. Mm -hmm. Take us through what else we're going to be watching on the weekend. Yeah, you're right. So aside from the two group ones, we've got all bar one of the nine races on the card at stakes level. We've got two two two-year-old races. And then for the older horses, we've got the Matron Stakes over a mile, which is for the mares. The Cuny Stakes is for the three-year-old fillies. And then you've got the Shaftesbury Avenue, which is another handicap contest, but over 1,400 metres. So there is plenty happening. And I've done the form for some of these races, and there are plenty of gear changes that we will be getting to and explaining what they're telling us shortly. That's excellent, Grace. And for now, we'll leave the racing there and we'll get straight into our glossary. So normally on the glossary, Grace, we put a minute on the clock and we really put you under pressure (laughs) to uh, explain all of the terminology for that week's topic. But with gear, we just wanted to take our time and go a little bit more in depth with what it all means. So we won't be putting any time on the clock. We're just going to go through the main types of gear that people are likely to see. Yep what it is and how it helps a horse's performance. Yeah, totally impossible to try and do all of that in <laughs> 60 seconds. So I think we've made the right call there. But you're right because, um, you know, there is a, there's a really quick explanation for each of these different types of gear or gear changes, but that's not what we're here to provide. We're actually here to provide the background for what the reason of putting this piece of gear on and how it's trying to improve the horse. So we'll get to that. Okay, so let's start with blinkers. Grace, Can you describe what blinkers are to us, please? Well, it's a really good place to start, Fee, because everybody would have heard of blinkers, blinkers going on, blinkers coming off. Um, They're a very common type of gear that trainers like to use, and they're very common gear change throughout a horse's racing preparation. So let's start by talking about what they are. Blinkers are a type of headgear which encircle a horse's eyes. They are small cups around the horse's eyes that limit their scope of sight and channel their vision forward. Because, Fee, we know that horses have got amazing vision, don't they? They do, yeah. They've got great peripheral vision, which allows them to see basically right around their body apart from just behind their tail. In nature, peripheral vision is designed to help horses see predators out in the field. And although there are no predators on the racetrack, Grace, there are a lot of other distractions going on. So that's the thing. Um, If you think about in a race with a horse that's got such amazing vision, um, what they might get distracted by on a racetrack. It could be, you know, something in the grandstand. It could be the winning post. It could be shadows on the ground. And it's often other horses around them. So a lot of the times horses can get distracted by all of these things that I've just referenced. And so what a trainer might apply blinkers onto a horse for 
is to help them stop being distracted by letting them focus on directly what's ahead of them. So it basically makes them focus on the job at hand, Grace. Yep, you're absolutely right. And often you'll see that blinkers go on a horse once they've had a couple of starts into their racing preparation um, because sometimes blinkers can have an adverse effect in making horses overdo things. Some horses have restricted vision and therefore... um, And therefore get quite fired up. And especially when you're at the start of a racing preparation, there might be some nervous energy. They're very fresh and they've got lots of energy. And then you apply blinkers, it can backfire. So more often than not, you'll see blinkers being applied to a horse uh, deeper into their preparation. And also you'll see a horse that's resuming have blinkers off for that first up run. They don't need any additional focus because they'll already be fresh anyway. And I think one thing to look out for with blinkers is that some horses really are just blinker horses. Like they really don't put in unless they have them on and they're focusing. So knowing your horses and if they've run well in blinkers before, it's probably a tick for them. Great, Grace. And let's move on to a cousin of the blinkers, (laughs) which is the winkers. Winkers are very similar to blinkers in what they are used for, but I suppose they allow for slightly more scope of sight. So, you know, with the blinkers, it's a cup around the horse's eyes, whereas winkers just go down the side of the horse's head and they're made of sheepskin and they're just little fluffy things that mean that you just can't see as much behind you. They're just like a softer version of blinkers. And normally you will see a horse wearing winkers first before the trainers will be willing to try the blinkers. Because as we touched on when we were talking about blinkers, sometimes horses can overdo it in blinkers. Absolutely. And having the winkers on first just gives them that halfway point to get used to that sort of limited vision before we give them the tunnel vision of blinkers. Yeah, that's exactly it, Fee. And I suppose what you just need to know is that when you see winkers on first time, that the trainer's intention is to help this horse focus. So maybe having had its first start and the rider reported back that, you know, he was focused on the other horses around him, you'll see winkers going on for the next start so that we can eliminate some of that distraction and just focus on the job. Let's move on to the nose roll, also sometimes called a shadow roll. And this is again a piece of sheepskin, but rather than going down the cheeks of the horse, it goes across their nose. Grace, what are nose rolls used for? Well, firstly, they're a really obvious piece of gear in the run because they really stand out. Um, They go between the horse's eyes and nose. And nose rolls are used for horses that might have a high head carriage. Yeah, so you'll see some horses in a race sticking their nose in the air and it's just not an efficient way of them using their action. The way that their muscles are designed, it's a lot more efficient for them to be running with their head down, their nose towards their chest rather than up in the sky. So the nose roll just encourages them to lower their head, put their nose down and really use their body, their top line, the muscles across their back and their hind quarter. And nose rolls um, can certainly be a gear change that you can use throughout a horse's preparation. Side note, Peter Moody, who is a very good trainer, he puts a nose roll on pretty much every single one of his horses from the minute they have their first start. That's they really interesting. They live in nose rolls. And I think that'd be the reason just to get them to use themselves more efficiently, not yeah. wasting energy running in a way that's not going to help them get through the run. Yeah, and I suppose it's not to say that all of his horses have weird head carriages, but it's an aid that he finds really helpful in teaching them that that's the way they need to race. 
Okay, so after covering nose rolls, let's move on to earmuffs. So you can have earmuffs either before the race, and these are the red ones that you will see in the mounting yard. They get taken off as the horses go into the barriers. And then you can have the earmuffs that aren't red, and these are the ones that horses will wear during the race. And the purpose of earmuffs is just to dampen down a lot of the sound that's going on around the horses. Obviously, it's amazing that these animals can turn up and race in front of a massive crowd yelling and cheering at them. But some horses just find that a little intimidating and again it can distract them from their job which is to run as fast as they can to the finishing post. Yeah so earmuffs encase the whole ear um, and they are just a piece of fabric and plastic that goes around the horse's ear and it would be the same as us wearing earmuffs I suppose um, in that you just really can't hear as much and it is all about keeping horses calm. So to me if I see earmuffs on pre-race I know that this might be a horse that is a little bit flighty or spooks a little bit or has got plenty of energy and we don't want someone yahooing over the fence to set them off um, or to cause them to use too much energy in the mounting yard when we want them to use the energy on the racetrack. And if I see earmuffs going on in the race, then it's telling me that there's a horse that might be a little bit reactive to other horses in the run. They might be a bit field shy. So if you put earmuffs on for their race, it again just decreases the amount that they will be able to hear horses around them in the run. So that's what earmuffs are telling you when you see them as a gear change. And now let's move on to tongue ties. So what a tongue tie is, is it's a piece of very stretchy rubber that is used to hold the tongue to the bottom jaw. So what tongue ties are designed to do is to help a horse's airway, help them pull in more air. Sometimes horses can play around with their tongue in the race and it can cause them to have a reduction of air intake which is obviously not what we want when we're asking them to run at maximum capacity. We want them to get all the oxygen they can to put in their best performance. And other times it's used for horses who have a habit of putting their tongue over the bit. And what this does is it causes the jockey to have less control over the horse with their steering and helping them to settle the horse within the run. So they're the two ways that tongue ties are used. What does it mean when we put a tongue tie on, Grace? Well, that's a really good description firstly, Fee. Um, And I suppose now we need to think about if we see a horse that's got a tongue tie going on for the first time, immediately what that tells me is that we might get a pretty serious turnaround in form. Mm. Because if you think about exactly what you described, if we've got a horse that has not been able to get enough air in the run because their tongue has been moving around in their mouth and you know it's been retracting toward the back of the throat where the muscles then enlarge and the airways become completely obstructed now to having a tongue tie on and having clear airways I mean that's a huge difference Mm. if you have no oxygen in a race you won't run well Oxygen is the petrol. So if you can't get the petrol in, you're not going to go very far. So this is actually a pretty significant um, gear change, tongue ties, when they are successful. Now, not all the time is a tongue tie going to help a horse, but when it does, it can be really significant. So moving on from tongue ties, let's look at a crossover noseband. So what a crossover noseband is, it's a piece of rubber or leather which crosses over the horse's nose to help keep a horse's mouth shut. Sometimes horses in the run can get a little bit keen. They try and do a little bit too much and what you'll see is they'll put their head in the air and they'll open their mouth. 
And that's not what we want to see. If you've backed a horse and they're doing that in the early or middle parts of a race, you're Mm -hmm. going, oh no, here (laughs) we go. Because what it means is that the horse is using far too much energy in the early parts of the race. They're not settling. They're not putting their head down, using themselves efficiently. And we want to avoid that at all costs. You might hear people saying, that the horses run the race upside down, meaning it's run the fastest times of its race early on in the race and then it slows up towards the end because it's just run out of energy. Yep. So with a crossover noseband, what we can do is just help horses settle, keep their mouth shut and just, again, drop their head and use themselves efficiently. So in the form guide, if I'm seeing a horse that's got a crossover noseband on and a tongue tie on, What it's telling me is that this horse can get very fierce in the run, likes to over-race, likes to do too much, exactly as you've just described, Fee. Um, Their head's in the air, their tongue is retracting to the back of their throat and the muscles enlarging and they're not getting enough air. So that is the perfect description of a very keen horse where the trainer is applying two pieces of gear to try and get them to settle in the run, relax and get more airflow. We have saved... The ultimate gear change for last. You will hear ultimate gear change all the time. And some of you might be going, what the heck is that? So, Grace, what is the ultimate gear change? The ultimate gear change, drum roll please, is being gelded. (laughs) (laughs) So, for those who are unfamiliar with gelding, it is the castration of a colt, so of a male horse. And gelding is like blinkers on steroids. It can really help horses focus. Male horses, better known as colts or stallions, can just be way too nosy about everything that's going on around them. Mm -hmm. Especially if they're racing with fillies, they can get a little bit worked up. And having a horse gelded can just improve their temperament 100%. Yeah, so when you see that a horse has been gelded, nine out of 10 times, it's temperament related. And if you see them come back for a second or a third campaign as a young horse and they've been gelded, what that's telling you is that the horse was being quite difficult to handle or causing the trainer and the riding staff some headaches because they just had too much on their mind that wasn't their job at hand. As you've said, it might be other horses around them. They're just easily distracted. So if you go through your form guide, you'll notice that most male horses running are gelded and to find a colt that can deal with racing and concentrate and then go on to be a stallion is is quite hard they're they're not common they've got to be very professional they've really got to want to run so gelding is something that happens to most male horses and it can really turn around their careers wow grace i'm really glad we didn't try to do that in a minute because uh, we would have failed miserably. We wouldn't even have got past the first one. No, and there's so much uh, to explain when you are trying to understand what each of these pieces of gear or the gear changes are because it's so much more than physically what it is but actually what it's trying to achieve and I hope that's what we've explained to everybody out there. Yeah, hopefully. And now we can move on to the races that we'll be previewing today and take this knowledge of gear with us to see what it can tell us about the horses in the race. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So Grace, the first race we're going to preview today is race two, the 1600 meter group three matron stakes for the mares. Who are we looking at in this race? Well, this is a really interesting race for us to start our preview fee because there's lots of informed mares in this race. So the favourite at the moment is Flying Mascot and she was a last start winner. She's been racing really well. She likes to sit on speed. So Barry 4 is ideal for her. And I can understand why she's favourite. But to be honest, there's a horse by the name of Churath who last start was in the Group 1 Futurity Stakes, so contesting stronger opposition than this and at weight for age. So the best seven furlong horses that we have is what Turath faced on that occasion. And she wasn't beaten far, the winner of that race, Sierra Sue. So to me, that's the best form in the race. And Turath, while she hasn't won this campaign so far, she's been racing really well. And at $4, she's the way I'd be leaning. But there's one horse that I want to mention here because of a gear change and it is Groovy Kinda Love. When we take a look at this horse's form guide, we'll see that she has got blinkers on for the first time. Mm. Another key change that I see when I look at her form guide is that she's got James McDonald in the saddle. One of the best jockeys going around. Yeah. Side note, James McDonald is probably the best jockey in Australia and up there with the best in the world. And he can just work wonders when he gets on the back of horses and he's normally based in Sydney. So it's a real treat that we get to watch him at Flemington this Saturday. So she's got James McDonald on, but she's got the blinkers on for the first time. Now, when I watch what she's done last start and in her recent racing, she's a backmarker, which means, as we know now, that she settles at the rear of the field. And last start, she was out the back in her races and she just had bums everywhere. She needed to weave a passage through the field to get to clear galloping room. And then once in full flight, she was fantastic. But the way I'm reading this is that her trainer, Mick Kent, is hoping that with blinkers on, when she is weaving that passage, she'll be able to focus on the task at hand rather than what's going on around her. So blinkers going on for the first time also tells me that this could be somewhat of a grand final for her. Clearly the biggest test that she's had, benchmark 78 contest last start, now to a stakes race. So there's just a lot of positives around that gear change for Groovy Kind of Love. Having said that, it's going to be hard for her to beat Churath and Flying Mascot, but the gear change tells me that she's got a very good hope. Well, that's race two done and dusted. Now we're going to race six, the 1200 metre Group 1 Newmarket Handicap. The first of our Group 1s to preview this episode. Grace, who are we looking at here? Well, the Newmarket Handicap each and every year is such a good race because of the fact it's a handicap contest, which I've already referenced. And there's so much to look at when you're doing the form for the Newmarket. But it's really hard to go past home affairs who is our equal favourite at the moment. 
But Home Affairs is a three-year-old cult, so he has not been gilded. And I'm guessing that given that he's a two-time Group 1 winner already, he will be a stallion uh, at some stage in his career. So they will not be gelding Home Affairs. They are some expensive ghoulies. Yeah, uh, that would be a very costly gelding procedure if that was to occur to Home Affairs. So he is still a three-year-old colt. Last start, he beat Nature Strip. You might remember in the episode when we spoke about that. Oh, yes. He beat Nature Strip over a 1,000 metres down the Flemington Strait, but he now goes to 1,200 metres down the Flemington Strait. He's won over this track and distance already in the past, and that was against his own age group three-year-olds in the Coolmore Stud Stakes last preparation. So he just ticks so many boxes, James McDonald. I'm guessing this is the one that James McDonald has come down to ride at Flemington. Mm. He's got a great affinity with this horse. So I really can't go past Home Affairs. I think he's drawn a good barrier in Barrier 16 down the straight. Uh, horses do often win from those wider barriers down the Flemington Strait. There's one horse that's been really well backed in early betting. When the markets have gone up, there's been plenty of money and support for Lost and Running, who is now second up for the preparation. And he was a very dominant winner of a Group 3 contest in Sydney last start. So in race six, we liked Home Affairs and Lost and Running. So now we move on to the second Group 1 of the day, the 2000 metre Australian Cup. Grace, who are we looking at in this race? The favourite at the moment is a horse called Think It Over coming down from Sydney and he's a group one winner in the past. He's now third up and he gets out to 2,000 metres for this race and when you take a look at his 2,000 metre record, he's got 10 starts for five wins, which is a 50% winning strike rate at the distance, which is very impressive. Very high. Barrier four for him is perfect. He can sit on the speed or just behind the speed. He'll get every chance. I will just say that a couple of horses went past him or potentially better than him after being held up last start in the Chipping Norton in Jewess and She's Ideal, who he faces again in this race. But that was on a really wet track. It was Mm. a heavy 10 that day. We know that Sydney and Queensland have been absolutely hit by flooding rain. So uh, I expect Think It Over to be better now. Uh, back on top of the ground and on a good racing surface. Think It Over deserves to be the favourite. However, I am siding with a horse by the name of Spanish Mission. I really feel that at $4.40, he is a big chance to win this race. He's an imported galloper whose first start was here in the Melbourne Cup back in November. And he came over with elite European form. He ran third behind Very Elegant in the Melbourne Cup, which is a fantastic effort in our best staying race. He's now joined the Peter Moody stable. And if you remember what I said about Peter Moody earlier on, what does that mean? It means that he now wears a nose roll. (laughs) But I was really taken with what he did in his first up run this campaign over 1,600 metres, which is a distance that's far too short for him. The best part of his race was his final 200. Now, this Group 1 race will absolutely be a grand final. 2,000 metres is good for him. So is Flemington. I think that his form is good enough to be winning this race. A $4.40 second favourite. He's probably uh, the one that I'm most keen on in this contest. And there's just one more horse that I want to mention. Not that I'm giving this horse a winning chance, but it's interesting. A horse by the name of Maximal, who is also a former European galloper. He's still a colt. Well, he's actually a four-year-old entire. He's not being gelded. And he raced first up in Sydney over 1,400 metres last start with blinkers on. 
Now, we spoke about this hat can be a recipe for disaster when Mm -hmm. you've got blinkers on a horse that's very fresh and has lots of energy to expel in the race first up. And that's exactly what happened here. When the jockey came back in, he said that Maximal raced way too keen in the run and that that gear change backfired. Now the blinkers come off for the first time. So what that's telling us is that the stable wanted to get him to focus on the job, but it just did not work out and the blinkers are coming straight off again. So we like Spanish Mission and the Australian Cup and now we're going to hit pause on the racing and head to our weekly listener question. So normally we have a voice note sent in to us with a question, but this week we received a really great written question that was on the topic of the episode, gear. And Crystal asks, how do we know when a horse's gear has changed? Where do we find that information? Okay, that's a really good question because we haven't really got to that yet. No. It might have been a slight oversight. Thanks, Crystal. Um, When we're talking about where to locate any gear changes that are relevant to the race, It can often change depending on the form guide that you're looking at. But let's say that you're looking at a best bets. It will be at the top of the race card. So before it starts individually itemizing every horse in the race, it will be a its own little category, which says gear changes, and it will list every single gear change that the race has. It's not necessarily something that's listed on every single form guide or potentially a betting app. But you can always find it by going onto Racing Australia, which is the website, um, the governing body of Australian thoroughbred horse racing. And if you click on the meeting and then click on gear changes, every single gear change for every race will be listed there. And just one other little handy tip fee is that a horse that races consistently in blinkers so even if it's blinkers first time or they always run in blinkers will generally be depicted by an asterisk next to the horse's name in the form guide so if you ever see that little star or asterisk next to the horse's name it means the horse races in blinkers that's really good to know and hopefully crystal that answers your question let's get back to the racing it's super saturday at flemington Our next race is race eight, the 1400 metre Group 3 Shaftesbury Avenue Handicap. You've got two horses here to discuss, Grace. I do, Fee. And the first one is a gear change horse. So we're looking at a horse called AIM, who is trained by Peter and Paul Snowden and is mainly based in Sydney, but he's done lots of travelling this horse. He's recently been up in Queensland on the Gold Coast, now he's in Melbourne. Um, The Snowdens have a stable at Flemington, so it's like a second home base for him, I suppose. But what's interesting about AIM is that he's a horse that's had 19 career starts. He's a four-year-old gelding, and he's got the tongue tie going on for the first time. Mm. Very interesting for a horse that is terribly out of form. This is a horse that's got good ability. He's won a couple of really good races in the past, but recently he's been quite disappointing. He's been finishing way down the field. Look, there might be a couple of factors for that where tracks aren't necessarily his thing. But seeing that the Snowdens have elected to put the tongue tie on for the first time also tells me that they might have uncovered something about this horse and you know, obviously we've seen his good ability. We've seen him win good races, but for whatever reason now, he's just not performing up to that standard at all. So potentially 
him getting oxygen at this stage of his racing campaign is a problem. If the tongue tie is successful and it allows AIM to you know, take in more oxygen during the race, I think we could see a massive turnaround in form for this horse. And also this horse has had a gap since we last saw him race up in Queensland. And since then, he's had a trial in Sydney where he wore the tongue tie to see how he would go with that piece of gear on. And he trialed really well. So again, another sign that this might be the piece of the puzzle um, that's missing at the moment for this horse and that we might see an improved performance. That's all of the races we're going to preview this week. And as always, we've covered so much in this episode. Hopefully we all now have a better understanding of gear and how it is used to improve a horse's performance. Because you will see plenty about gear changes when you're looking at form guides and having a preview for yourself of the upcoming racing. So I hope you've learned a lot from this episode. Now, Feet, next week is a very exciting episode because we will be covering everything to do with mounting yards. And we will be joined by a well-known expert in this area. Ooh, we won't say too much now. (laughs) No spoilers. No spoilers here. But I'm really looking forward to that. For now, if you are enjoying the content, please subscribe and follow the podcast. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. And of course, if you would like to send us a question for next week's episode, please direct message us with a voice note and we will answer your question on the podcast. You can find us on the socials at Ladies Who Punt. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We love hearing how much you're enjoying the podcast and it would mean the world to us if we could share it around. Until next week, guys, enjoy your racing this weekend. 